Man, it's great to have everybody here and all your uh, visitors that are here. We want to thank all of you for being here. And all the folks online, uh, the, this past week I was talking to some different uh, folks that keep track of everything, and uh, there's consistently 200 folks that are watching us online. So let's give a big howdy to them. Wave your hand at them. Not real enthusiastic. So at home they do love you. I don't know that uh, it came through, but we are thrilled with that. And we are going to be working primarily out of Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 and 25 today. And we're going to talk about the cross of Christ. So let's stand, and we're going to read this text together. It's going to come up on the screen. And this is Matthew 16, 24 and 25 out of the ESV translation. Here we go. Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray for the blessing of your word, the power of your word, the heartbeat of the cross, which truly is the heartbeat of salvation. Be with us as we get into your word this morning. Help us to just focus on your lordship, your sacrifice, and your unconditional love for each and every one of us. And it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. So if you're here last week, you may remember we looked at Jesus took the golden rule, and then we actually talked about the Good Samaritan putting it in motion. And basically, he would take all these laws, and Jesus had a way of saying, I know this is what has been taught, but let's look at the heart of the law. And he slowly, from the inside out, began to teach the disciples, and actually, like Tracy said, transform their minds and eventually transform their hearts. Now, when we get to this section of Scripture, Matthew 16, here's what's going on. Jesus now ups the ante. Now what he does with the disciples is, first of all, he clarifies who he is. And you remember that amazing exchange that uh, Jesus has with Peter. Do you remember that? Uh, Jesus said, who do others say that I am? And Peter said what? You, say it with me, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I'm, this is my paraphrase, he's like, attaboy, you got it, good for you. And don't you ever want to just walk into scripture, put your arm around Peter and say, this would be a good time to listen. Don't talk anymore. But Peter can't help himself. Later on, uh, Jesus is sharing the rest of his vision, and he basically says, now Peter, uh, get behind these Satan. In other words, uh, you, you stepped up, started well, you should have just not said anything. Let me finish it, Okay. But Jesus not only declared who he was to those disciples, he also proclaims his mission and where he's going, and it shocked them. And honestly, folks, it's a, it should still shock us. When Jesus says to take up the cross, that isn't just for them, that's for us. And what does that mean? Well, this weekend is an interesting weekend, isn't it? Uh, this is a weekend, if you're a guy, you got to love today, don't you? Don't you? I mean, it's Super Bowl, even if you're a pagan. It's a good day. Okay, so anyway, it's Super Bowl weekend. And, uh, and then tomorrow, guys, a lot of pressure. You've got to flip the gears. We don't care about football, do we? It's Valentine's Day. So maybe you want to get your wife a football jersey. I don't know. But anyway, it's, a, it's, a, it's crazy. But the whole theme of Valentine's Day is what? Love. It's all about love. And I love this quote about love. I always thought that love was shaped like a heart, but actually it's shaped like a cross. Billy Graham said it even clearer than that. 
from the cross, God declares, I love you. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about three life-giving, life-changing steps all of us need to take in our pursuit to walk like Jesus. And though this seems very simple, as far as a message, two verses is what we're going to focus on, it's transformational. Step one is simply this, deny ourselves. Look at Matthew 16, the first part of verse 24. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. To deny yourself is to renounce oneself at the center of existence. It's overcoming the sinful nature one day at a time. Now think about that, renouncing oneself at the center of existence. Here's another way to put it. Every parent has probably uttered these words more than once to your children. Uh, maybe you haven't. Have you ever uttered these words? The world does not revolve around you. Am I the only one that shared that? I mean, we all kind of go through the world revolve, revolves around us, don't we? We all battle this. We all know how hard it is in our culture to actually deny ourselves. As a matter of fact, I mentioned the Super Bowl. Uh, I want to share with you uh, what's coming tonight. All of you know this, but uh, there will be these commercials. A 30-second commercial now is $6.5 million. So the west side, we're only going to have one. And so uh, if you're watching tonight, but I'm going to put them in two categories, A and B. A is indulgence. B is sacrifice. So... When you watch all the commercials, if you're to rank them A or B, indulgence is eat this, drink that, drive faster, live larger. Okay? That's indulgence. Sacrifice is serving and helping others. Which one of those describes the Super Bowl commercials? It's indulgence. I mean, that is what we do. We obsess about ourselves. Charles Swindoll, uh, one of my heroes in the faith, shared this story about himself, which I love, which is this whole idea about how hard it is to deny ourselves. So his wife and kids had gone shopping for a couple hours, and he's watching Sports Center, And he had a thought. I think in the refrigerator, uh, there's a container of ice cream. Matter of fact, he calls this the Battle of the Rocky Road. It's the Rocky Road ice cream. He couldn't stop thinking about it. So he gets the container knowing there's, like, there's a few scoops out of it. So he told himself he could have a few more, but he didn't want to dirty a bowl. So he just took the whole thing and started eating on it. You ever done that? And then next thing you know, he's ate the whole container. And he's looking down thinking, I am a pig. But I got to cover this up. I mean, so he throws in the trash, goes back to watching sports. And then it hits him. Wait a minute. They're going to find it there. So he takes it out to the dumpsters to hide it. And that's getting worse. And he gets there and he goes, wait a second. They're going to come back tonight probably want some. I got to go get another container. So he gets another container of ice cream, brings it back, sets it there and thinks, okay, I got away with it. And then it hits him. Wait a minute. There were a few scoops out of it. So I need to get some more out of that. So he does, puts it back. Well, that night, one of the kids goes, hey, Dad, I thought we could all have ice cream together. And then they start laughing. They said, we know what you did. You brought home the wrong container. It wasn't even the right company. You know, he's like, I'm so bad, you know. Now. Don't we all go through that in life in different degrees? I mean, think about it. It all leads from a thought to an action to a reaction to a cover-up, and then you're busted. How many times has that cycle taken place in our lives? Why? Because at the heart of it, we don't like to deny ourselves of anything. 
We want what we want when we want it. Matter of fact, I love the way that Fritz Reinhauer puts it in a book entitled How to Be a Christian Without Being Religious, talking about how hard it is to deny ourselves. What's your problem? Is it your temper, impatience, self-control, sex, being honest, your thought life? Is it pride or laziness, self-centeredness? Everyone has skeletons that they don't... Everyone has skeletons... They want to stay in the closet. They want to do the right thing, but they do the wrong thing. You want to choose obedience, but you choose sin. Sometimes you'd almost swear you were a split personality, and this is the key. You're a regular walking civil war. There it is. You ever felt like that? In Romans 7, Paul did. Remember what he said? Why is it that the very things I want to do, the very things that I know I should do, I don't do those things? And the things I know I shouldn't do, I do. Denying ourselves goes against everything in our flesh. Galatians 5.16 says that we are to walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Did you catch the key? Walk by the what? In the flesh, we're going to fail every time. Another motivational book isn't going to get it done. You have to surrender the, the areas of your life that you need self-control in to God's spirit. So my son and I, uh, I realized he's a little bit more like me than I realized. We were out the other day, and uh, uh, Starbucks was closed inside, which is nuts. Anyway, we pulled around. It was on the west side. pulled around the side. of was jammed parking, and we had to pull around so I could stop and get out and talk to him. While I'm standing there talking to him, this guy pulls up a huge truck. Hey, move your cars. I got to have that spot. Now, my, th- my first thought was, well, praise the Lord. Have a great day. <laughs> you know, my first thought was, if I wasn't a minister, pal, we'd go at it because I know I can take you, you know. But I didn't say a word. I'm like, hey, Caleb, move your car. I said it really nice. And, and then later on, he said, I wanted so bad to roll my window down and cuss that guy out. And I said, Caleb, you shouldn't ever think that. It's terrible. <laughs> Now, here's the deal. When I grew up, I'll tell you straight up what I battled my whole childhood is my temper. Oh, my land. Ran my hand through the door. I should have had stitches. We were too poor to get. I mean, I could go on and on about losing my cool. And so there's times I get upset with myself because my temper will rise. Anybody know what a Scotch-Irish temper is? Anybody got one of those? Oh, they're fun to be around, aren't they? Yeah, some of you know what that is. We explode, and then it's like, ah! Hey, pass the pizza. I mean, we can get over it that quick. And the ripple effect, here's why I mention that. That's something I've battled. My, my guess is there's something here today you really battle. When you hear the word denial and you start to beat yourself up. Sometimes you need to also look back and think, I know I'm not there yet, but I am getting better. And I'm getting better, not because of me. I know that. I'm getting better because of what? The spirit of Jesus Christ in me. So, folks, denial is hard, but we need to understand that self-control is possible because of Jesus Christ, who actually had the perfect example of what it meant to be under control. I love it. Richard Foster, he's the author of Celebration of Discipline. He said, no one was more in control than Jesus. Just think about this. Have you ever noticed the many times Jesus refused power? He refused to dazzle people by jumping off the pinnacle of the temple. 
in Matthew 4. He rejected the temptation to make wonder bread to validate his ministry. In John 6, he refused to do many wonderful works in his hometown because of the unbelief of the people. And then he said to the Pharisees when they demanded, give them a sign that he was the Messiah, he refused to do so. And when he was arrested, he even said, I could call down a whole army, but I choose not to. Folks, we need to realize that it isn't because of our efforts that we deny ourselves. We deny ourselves because of the power of Jesus Christ in us. We are approaching an interesting time of the year. And I asked this first service, how many of you uh, are either really good friends with or, or came out of a Catholic background? Just raise your hand. Like to, Okay, so you know that we are approaching the Lent season. And there's something really, I think, profound as you approach the Lent season, which uh, starts on March 2nd. So for 40 days, there's a season that you're asked to give something up. And during that season, not only do you give it up, but you intentionally draw yourself closer to Christ. It is a form of fasting. And so in the back, if you'd like it, we actually have uh, 40 days. It's called a 40-day Lent challenge. And it basically gives you some options, some scriptures to read. And then we give you, it's called 10 out-of-the-box ideas. I just want to share a handful because I love this. For 40 days, don't buy anything you don't need. Number two, for 40 days, each day, for 40 straight days, throw something away. Think how hard that would be but to throw something away. And if it's something that somebody else owns, I guess that's good to go too. So uh, don't eat after dinner. Uh, that's a terrible one. Say three nice things to your spouse or your kids every day. Don't eat out. Take the money when you were going to eat out and save all of that money. And at the end of 40 days, give it to somebody that you know uh, can be encouraged. And then replace 30 minutes of TV or screen time. And during those 30 minutes that you surrendered, commit to just prayer and scripture reading. I share that with you because there are ways practically that we can help, us, help ourselves in this whole area of denial. And then Jesus said, take up his cross. In Matthew 16, the second part of verse 24. First, deny yourself, but now take up the cross. In order to understand what Jesus meant when he said take up the cross, it's important to note what he did not mean. Sometimes you'll hear people even say this. I, I've used this phrase, um, that's my cross to bear. Have you ever heard that? Now, here's what it doesn't mean. Your cross to bear, when Jesus uttered those words, did not mean strained relationships or physical illness or a thankless job. Those are not the crosses we bear. When Jesus said to bear the cross, remember, he's talking about the first century cross. And when those disciples heard this, you got to know this changed everything in their lives. It was one thing to identify Jesus as the son of the living God, but take up the cross. Remember, that's 100% Roman. That's 100% death. You see, when Jesus said, take up the cross, what he's talking about was a cross that he would carry. It was not a symbol of a burden to carry. No, this was a symbol of torture, humiliation, death. That was the cross. Folks, when he says to take up the cross, he's saying, are you willing to give up everything in your life to follow me, everything. Now, that's pretty heavy, isn't it? But that's exactly what he's talking about. 
Now, that's not popular today because we don't live in a sacrificial world. We don't want to sacrifice anything, but that's exactly what he's saying. And he's also saying, if you follow Christ, it is not going to be easy. And I love that about Jesus. He doesn't, he doesn't sugarcoat anything. He says, this is the truth. Now, you got to know that those disciples are shocked because why? They were following Jesus, hoping when he gave the game plan, what would be the game plan? We will go to Jerusalem, and then what? We're going to overthrow the Roman government. We're going to take charge, and you're going to be our king. And what did he say? No, I'm, I'm going to be crucified. What do you think the conversation was that night around the fire? I would love to hear what they said about, did he really say the cross? He's going to Jerusalem to be crucified. What does that mean? Because he asked us to do the same thing. You wonder why the numbers started to dwindle. I was thinking about this week practically. I was just trying to visualize the weight of that decision. And what I mean by the weight of it, the cross itself, the Roman cross, it's estimated weighed about 300 pounds. The, the beam that Jesus carried, uh, that cross beam, was actually around 100 pounds. But it's more than the weight, the physical weight. We don't dwell enough on the emotional stress that Jesus faced and the spiritual stress. So I thought in my own life, I thought, if I could go through, let's say there's this huge scale, and I could somehow put a weight on things. And let's say the first part is the weight of the seven most physically demanding days of my life. And I put it over here. So I want you to think of some of the most physically exhausting days of your life. Like, here's a happy memory, the day you moved. That's a fun day, isn't it? It's terrible. But just think about when you lay your head on the pillow and you're like, I cannot believe how exhausted I am. Now, take the seven most emotionally charged days in your life and the weight of that. Which one took its toll on you the most? Now, I don't know about you, but there's no comparison. I mean, I think about hiking, like whatever. one day I hiked like a crazy amount of miles with some friends on the Appalachian Trail. I couldn't hardly pick up my foot, and I thought, I'm never going to be more exhausted than this. But that compared to the phone calls that I've got over the years when my mom died and being there when my brother died, when, and the weight of that and what that does. And then you think, that's what Jesus did for each and every one of us here. He took the weight of everybody's sin, and he took it on himself. So when he says take up the cross, we need to realize what that really means. Matter of fact, we know Paul said it this way. I call them bookend verses in 1 Corinthians. In the front end, chapter 2, verse 2, he said, uh, Paul said this, I resolved to know nothing except Christ crucified. And then 1 Corinthians 15, at the end of 1 Corinthians, he says this, this is the first importance to be passed on that Christ died for our sins according to Scripture. Did you catch that? At the very heart of the gospel... At the very heart of everything is what? The cross. It's the cross of Christ, which leads me to the most important challenge for them and us now. Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. Jesus told his disciples to follow him, that whoever would save his life would lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. If you've never studied the life of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he was a a German scholar stood up for his faith, was thrown in a Nazi prison, and just days before the war ended, he was executed. Bonhoeffer said this, 
When Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. When Jesus calls us, each and every one of us, it's not a one-time deal. It's not one decision. It's not a, hey, I was baptized, that's it. It's not a, hey, I go to church on Sundays, or a, hey, I'm in a Bible study. No, that's not the kind of commitment he's talking about. In Luke 9.23, he says, deny yourself, take up the cross, what? Daily, every day. Every day, we are following Jesus. Everything we say, everything we do, every relationship we have, we are moving towards being more like Jesus. And when that happens, you're going to lose things. You're going to lose some of your relationships with your family. You're going to lose some of your friendships. Because what? Your priorities change. Everything changes when you follow Jesus every day. And I can tell you my life has dramatically changed the day I decided to get serious and follow Jesus. But I'll tell you what, it's the best decision I ever made. It's the hardest decision. It's the best decision. Some of you here today have never made that decision. Some of you here may have been baptized, but let's be honest, you're not all in. You're just like, I'm going through the motions. I know I am. And it's time to say, God, I really want to be like those disciples. I want to follow you. I want to be willing to follow you to the moment I draw my last breath. I want to follow you. I mentioned that this, uh, this evening is the Super Bowl. I know a couple of you are probably going to watch that game. And um, at the end of the game, there will be a big celebration, and they'll award a trophy. Anybody know what the name of that trophy is? That is the Vince Lombardi Trophy, okay? So growing up, uh, I always, uh, I was, I've always been enamored with Vince Lombardi. I've heard so many stories. My older brothers would talk about Vince Lombardi and the Packers. And, uh, and so uh, every year before the Super Bowl, the week before, I watch these little 10-minute Super Bowl highlights from Super Bowls in the past, and I love it. It just draws me back to when I was a kid. Oh, I remember that game. I remember. I mean, it just, I don't know. I'm weird. Uh, and I saw this little snippet on Vince Lombardi that I never knew, and I want to share this with you because it just, to me, is one of the coolest things. So Vince Lombardi um, uh, came home. He had two, uh, a son and a daughter, and his daughter was in high school at the time. So she's sharing this story. So dad comes home, and he says, we're moving. Now, they grew up their whole life in New York. Imagine that. He was coaching on the New York Giants. He was the defensive coordinator and the offensive coordinator, funny, Tom Landry, there you go, for our football junkie. So anyway, comes home, he goes, we're moving. And they're like, what? Uh, we're moving to Green Bay, Wisconsin. <laughs> Imagine that. Might as well say take up the cross. I mean, this is for a teenager girl. She's like, where's Wisconsin? So she's not real sharp. But anyway, Vince Lombardi comes home the very next day with the map of the United States. He said, Susan, come here. He puts it right on their table, and he said, there is Wisconsin. And then together, they both looked down, and she heard her dad go, hmm, Green Bay is not on that map. It wasn't even on Wisconsin. She goes, I am not moving to a place that's not even on the map. And here's what he said, Susan, when I'm done, Green Bay will be on the map and you will know where you lived. Jesus Christ looked at his disciples. He said, follow me.
You know the good news? They did. And you know what happened? They did more than put the church on the map. They changed the world. And I look at all of you, and I'm telling you, you can change the world. You can change the world. If you follow Jesus Christ, if we decide we're all in with Jesus Christ, folks, that's unbelievable what Christ can do. Do you believe that? Folks, with all your heart, you need to believe that. Every day it's a battle. We know that we deny ourselves. That's hard. That we are willing to say the crosses in life are the painful things that I know. But, Lord, I will follow you because it's the best thing I could possibly do. So we're going to do something today that's unique. Our elders are going to be here by the cross. And we're going to encourage anyone. We're going to be singing a couple of really powerful songs. And if, as a group, if some of you would like to pray with our elders, as an individual, we had a lot of folks come up for service. We also want to encourage you where you're at to have the courage even to look around at somebody, even if you don't know them, say, hey, would you be okay if we just pray right now with one another, if we encourage one another? Because do you know how hard this is, seriously, to take up the cross, deny ourselves? Maybe there's something in your life you're like, I just need to pray about this. I just need the courage to take that next step. Whatever that is, we're a family and we're here for one another. And the shepherds, the elders, they're going to be right here for you. And so Heather's going to lead our hearts in these next couple of songs. And as God moves you, I encourage you to move towards one another. And just pray that we'll be the disciples that he's called all of us to be as we stand.